Today's passage is going to be Galatians 3, 1 through 14. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by fearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, And you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray. God, we thank you for today. Uh, we thank you for just all that you have done. And I pray that as we hear this word, God, even through this broken vessel, that your words would come out perfectly, that it would penetrate the very depths of our heart, and that our lives would be forever changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you for all that you have done, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, today's sermon, uh, today's message is called Supernatural Faith. Now, if you are a Christian, you have supernatural faith. What does that mean, right? Yesterday morning during family worship, uh, we went over a passage about a Pharisee and a prostitute. Now, they both believed in Jesus. That wasn't the difference between them. They had both seen Jesus work, they had both seen Jesus teach, and they had seen his miracles again and again and again. It wasn't a matter of their belief that separated them. You see, what made them different, what made them vastly different, was that the Pharisee believed with his mind, and yet the prostitute believed with her heart. And this is why at the very end, Jesus is able to say to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Church, this is our story as well. Because as much as you can believe God in your mind, it is only when you believe in your heart that you are saved. Your amount of knowledge in the Bible is not what's going to save you. It's whether you believe in the truth of the gospel within the very depths of your heart. You know, in the book of Ezekiel, God, he is looking to the nation of Israel, and he sees them turning away from him. And yet he doesn't go, I need you to follow the commands better. He doesn't go, I want you to follow the rules a little bit more. He says, I am going to turn your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. When your heart changes from stone to flesh, what happens is that your life doesn't just pivot, it transforms. And that's why in the Bible, it uses language like that. 
It says that you are a new creation. It says that you are born again. It's a 180 degree shift in your life because it's something that happens from the very depths of your heart, not from your mind. Becoming a Christian is 100% a supernatural thing. Now, here's the problem. Many of us believe that our conversion is a supernatural occurrence, that it was a supernatural thing to begin with. However, what now that we're saved? Just because we become a Christian doesn't mean that we don't have problems, amen? (laughs) We still have bitterness. We still have problems with forgiveness. We still lie. We still have difficulty with anger and with self-control. Those things are still so prevalent in our lives. So what happens is our faith, at first so strong, at first we knew that it was a supernatural thing, at first we knew it was God encountering us, over time what happens is that it begins to waver. Because if I'm still having so much trouble with these sins, then the question stops becoming what happens now that I'm saved, and it starts becoming, am I really saved at all? So what happens is we try to be more holy because we're unsure of our faith. And so we work, and we work, and we work. And we pivot and we pivot until our Christian faith becomes about what we've done instead of what God's done for us. Church, this was what was happening in Galatia. The people, they were taught by Paul. They knew the truth. They were taught, they were counseled, they were disciplined by him to know the true gospel. And many of them were saved. But we know that once you become a Christian, it doesn't mean life becomes easy. So they were struggling. They were struggling as Christians because following Jesus is hard. But what happened is these false teachers came in after Paul. And they told the Galatians that the reason they're struggling is because they were, in fact, not really saved. They were trying to say that, look, Christianity, it's not really supernatural. It's more of a natural religion because for you, you can work for it. But you see, Paul, he looks at the Galatians and he says, no, the way you advance in the Christian faith is the exact same way you entered into it. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit. The origin of Christianity, church, is supernatural. Otherwise, it can never begin. It is supernatural in its conclusion, or else there's no heaven to go to. And it's supernatural in its continuance, or else no one can run the race of the Christian life. In verse 1, Paul, he says, You foolish Galatians. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. 
Our Savior is a crucified Savior. And this is so important for you to understand because one of the most important days for a Christian is Easter Sunday. And what does Easter Sunday signify? An empty tomb. But an empty tomb by itself is meaningless. Absolutely meaningless. What's important is what happened on Friday. And it's that our Savior died on the cross. He was crucified. And yet, supernaturally, he rose again. And so what Paul is saying is, look, the foundation of your faith is a supernatural one. And so why would you ever think that you can work for your faith? Why could you ever think that it could begin naturally or end naturally or continue naturally? It is from start to finish supernatural because our God is a God of the supernatural. He is a God who made the impossible possible. So, Paul's upset, right? And we can kind of feel this. Because the first thing he says is, you foolish Galatians. Now, if you translate that literally, in, back in the Greek, he's actually saying, you, you poor idiots, right? But you see, he's not saying this because they're dumb. And he's not saying this because they're stupid. He's saying that because, you see, these Galatians, they knew the truth of the true gospel. And yet for them, they chose, they purposely chose the gospel of the false teachers over the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he's so angry at them. He's so frustrated at them. And so he says, you foolish, foolish Galatians. And so in verse 2 to 5, Paul uses a method of teaching that many grade school uh, teachers use to misbehaving students. Now, a lot of you have just come from uh, teaching in, in our children's ministry or in our youth ministry. Now, what do you do when you have unresponsive students? You ask rhetorical questions. Why? <laughs> because it wakes them up, right? Now, verse 2, let me read to you. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? What Paul is saying is that if you began your relationship with God when the Holy Spirit entered your life and transformed you from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes, then why do you think that you can maintain that through your own work? See, verse 2 and 5, when you read that, he's using those on purpose because he's asking the same question from opposite ends. Verse 2 is saying, you did not, did you receive the Spirit because of the law? And the answer is, no, you didn't. Verse 5, he's saying, did God give you the Spirit because you followed the law? And the answer is no, he didn't. The Galatians, they weren't circumcised, nor did they follow all of the regulations that the Jewish people did. All they did was hear the message of the gospel 
and they believed with their hearts and were saved. You see, by asking these questions, Paul is using their personal experience to help them realize how absolutely foolish it is that they are trying to make a supernatural faith into a natural one. But you see, the false teachers, they were probably really smart. And if you're smart, one thing that you try to do is back up your argument with similar cases from a long time ago. In the court of law, that's called what? Precedence, right? And so to defend their position, these Judaizers, these people, these false teachers, were most likely using Moses and the Ten Commandments in order to say, look, look how they lived. Look how Moses brought down the Ten Commandments. Look at how they had to follow the law in order to be righteous, right? So that's why we have to follow the exact same thing. So Paul goes, you want to talk about precedence? All right, we'll talk about precedence. And he goes back even further. And he backs his position with someone before Moses. He backs his position with Abraham. Verse 8 says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall the nations be blessed. In Genesis 15, church, we have a story of Abraham, and he's very old. And for Abraham, he knows that he is going to die soon. And yet for him, he doesn't have an heir. He doesn't have a son. And so everything that he has is just going to go away. And so he doesn't know what to do. Abraham is worried. Abraham is sad. And it says in Genesis 15, though, that the word of the Lord came to him. And he said, you will have a son. Then God goes one step further, takes Abraham outside, tells him to look at the sky, and says, you see the number of stars in the sky? That's how many descendants that you're going to have. And you see, church, what happens next is the entire crux of what Paul's argument is. Because right after God talks to Abraham, it says, Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord credited to him as righteousness. Righteousness means that God put Abraham in right standing with him. Was Abraham in right standing because he was circumcised? No. We read later that he was circumcised 14 years later. Was Abraham in right standing because he followed the law? No. We read that it was over 400 years later that the law was given. So Paul is looking at these foolish Galatians and he's saying, why would you think, why would you think that your works have any input into your salvation when even Abraham was set right before God simply through his belief? This is so important, church, to understand. Abraham, he was the father of the faith. He was a man of God, and yet what made him righteous was his childlike faith. He trusted even when it seemed impossible. 
And church, this is going to be one of the greatest barriers that you will ever face. Because the fight will always be, do you believe with your head or do you believe with your heart? And your mind will only give you a faith that continually questions and continually doubts. And when true trials and true testing come into your life, you are going to fail because that faith is always going to be superficial. That faith is always going to break apart. And the thing that truly gives you hope, that tr the thing that truly gives you faith, that's what's going to come to the surface. And you will never persevere. You will never persevere through the greatest trials and through the greatest temptations and through the greatest testing. Because in the church and in Galatia, it wasn't a question of whether or not you believe. It's a question of do you believe this with your head or do you believe this with your heart? Do you just believe this in your mind? Or do you truly, from the depths of your heart, believe this? Too many people think of Christianity as so many other religions. Christianity is a supernatural one. And works are never going to satisfy a supernatural religion that started from a supernatural God. It's not possible. Christianity is a religion of the heart. It starts supernatural, it continues supernatural, and it ends supernatural. Look, church, everyone has faith. Everyone does. It just depends on where you put your faith. Is it going to be faith in the natural? Is it going to be faith in your own works? Or are you willing to put faith in God. Look, you can believe even in the midst of human impossibility. Abraham did. Why? Because our faith is based on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what the foundation of our faith. And finally, in verses 10 to 14, Paul talks about the consequences of those who try to find their salvation in their works. And the consequence is that sooner or later, you will find out that the road that you have been driving on is out. I remember a long time ago, I would drive my friend home uh, from school almost every day. Um, and he was like the nicest, kindest guy uh, and so I don't, I didn't mind driving him home. You know, he's, he's a good guy. Uh, to get to his house, though, there was a street that I needed to turn to. But right before that street I needed to turn, there was another street, and that street was a dead end. Now, there were signs that pointed, saying that it was a dead end. But for some reason, every single time, I would always make that turn. And I, was go, I would always go into that dead end. And my friend, who was the kindest, sweetest person in the world, he one day turns to me, and there's no smile on his face any longer, and he says, Danny, when are you going to realize that the road is out? When are you going to realize that this isn't the right way? Church, this is the issue. God is speaking to some of you. 
And he's saying, how long is it going to take you to realize that the road that you're traveling on has an end? You are on a dead-end street. Look, many of us have been going to church for a very long time. And many of us have been trying our best to obey the rules and the regulations and trying to follow what the Bible says. And that's a good thing. But for some of us, in our quietest moments, and the deepest parts of our hearts, we believe that maybe, maybe there is a chance for us to go to heaven because of our works. And church, the answer is that there is no chance. The road is out and no one will be justified through their own works. Our imperfection is the reason why we are cursed to be apart from God because no matter how hard we try, we haven't loved God with all of our hearts. No matter how hard we try, we cannot completely love our neighbors like ourselves. No matter how hard we try, we curse and we lie and we murder, maybe not with our hands, but we have with our hearts. How long, church, is it going to take you to realize that the road that you are traveling on is out? Too many of us think that we can start paving the road ourselves if we do one more good thing. We can build a little bit more if we just try a little bit harder. But the road will never be built through our own works. We can try, but it is destined to end. Verse 10 says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. If your salvation is based on how good you follow the rules, then you will always be taking one step forward and two steps back. You will always be on the road that is falling apart faster than it is being built. But church, there's good news. There's good news. And it's that Jesus Christ has built that road. It says here that Jesus Christ has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. He took upon himself something that he didn't deserve, the curse of sin. And it's so that he can place on us that which we did not deserve, the gift of forgiveness. That's why Paul says in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Church, Christianity is a supernatural faith. Our salvation was not worked on by us. It was given to us by God through faith in Jesus Christ. We couldn't build the road, and you will never be able to, but it's okay. It's okay, because Jesus has built that road for us. Verse 14 says, So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, might come to you and me, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. 
the Holy Spirit is available to you. Jesus Christ is available to you. But you have to believe in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. So church, my hope and my desire is that you would trust and have faith knowing that your heart belongs to a God of supernatural means. So believe that, trust that. If you are a Christian, then you have a supernatural faith. Amen? Let's pray.